Part Eight of the Fates of the Princess of Dovard by Kenneth Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Story of Puel and Rhiannon, or the Book of the Three Trials. The second branch of it, namely, the Basket of Gwythfig Nuinog and Gwythfig Nuinog himself. Three, the Circumspection of Puel Penanun and the Filling of the Basket at Last with the first cold paling of the dawn puil penannon rose up and it was a wonder to him that neither pendarren nor keredig Kalch should have returned and the third part of the sorrow without its lightening yet and no more than the one day left for them to reach the court of hephaith hen in it then he said make known to us the third part of the sorrow and whether there will be need to wait for those two before setting out to lighten it there will not be need said the old man i marvel thou hast not thought of this before many would have been more open-handed and more ardent in their generosity seest thou yonder brilliant shining in the north i see it said he it is the shining of a shield of adornment on the palace roof of the kings of Kelethon. between this and that there is an orchard belonging to the king and seven score and seven sweet apple trees in it equal in age height size beauty and flavour so great are the infirmities of my nature that unless i shall have to eat one of those apples at dawn and another at night food and drink become no better than filth and poison to me and there will be a heaviness on my chest and an evil taste in my mouth and a vomiting at the changes of the moon heretofore i was able to go out after the apples and i was permitted to gather as much as a basketful of the windfalls in the orchard and that would be enough for me from the first day of january to the last day of december unless the apples are brought to me undoubtedly i shall pine away during the remainder of my life and of this i shall die it is a pity that ever i was born common with the offenceless are sorrow and tribulation and to be despised and persecuted and to have no lightening of their burdens if there were any one here with generosity with him he would go out after the apples lord said einion arth Kennan at that is it permitted to me to go after them not so said puel the one who is pledged to the lightning of sorrows let him lighten them i myself will get the apples lord said they it would be unfitting and beyond the breaking of custom and precedent and regal dignity there is the court of hevaith hen to be considered and the arriving there this night there will be no time for you to undertake this adventure then the old man said lord it would be beneath your dignity to get the apples let arkenen go it is not fitting that i should be waited on by a sovereign ruler if thou desirest apples get the basket and indeed whether thou desirest them or not i myself will obtain those apples if there is any obtaining them in the world they will restore to thee the vigour of thy limbs and furthermore they will be a medicine for thee against complaining and ingratitude it is a miserable thing when there is ill-natured impatience under misfortune thereupon gwythfid went into the house after the basket and between that and the time when he came out with it keredig cum tyvi had had his enveloping and his enclosing and his being made captive in the basket as far away as the marshland of Kelithon, and his being borne by magic across the plain 
Poole was in the saddle, and Blodwen, impatient to be gone, when the old man came out to him with the basket. "'If there were no more than a few apples in it,' said he. "'Be thou silent further,' said Poole, "'and it will be the better. Brimful shall the basket be. Less than that would not cure thee.' With that he rode forward. Grey and heavy was the sky. The wind rose fiercely from the sea, driving the immense clouds. Rain came with the wind, beating against him furiously as he rode. The plain became a marsh, and it was hard for Blodwin to put a hoof anywhere without slipping. He left the plain and rode over many bare ridges, brown with peat and burnt gorse, and the dark grey streaming sky low over all of them. From the top of such a ridge he saw the walls of the orchard. There was a valley flowing down from before him, not deep, and the walls along the ridge beyond. Between him and them, the width of the valley and the waters everywhere over the close turf, and more perpetually falling, and the stretches of bracken broken and beaten down, and the sprawling stems of the bramble tossed and battered, crimson and shining in their wetness. Before he had come to the edge of the ridge and the beginning of going downward, suddenly it seemed as if the whole of the waters of space were falling, driving against the earth an illimitable grey deluge between the turf and the low sky, fiercely swift, bitter and irresistible in opposition, beating down the fern and the bramble, and through the driving and whirling and uprising from the smitten and sodden ground of it, and that as high as the mare's shoulders, Suddenly a wet, tremulous gleam shot up and towered before him, cream-white and silvery, and there, in a little lulling and steadying of the rain, stood one that had the stature of the pine and the poplar, shedding sheen on the watery air about him, from his white beard and from his helmet of silver, from his eyes and his mantle, from the shield of intense starry whiteness on his left arm, and from the whitely flaming sword that was drawn in his right hand. Handsome he was, with stern sublime majesty of mien and aspect, of visage and bearing, a menacing terrible severity of beauty, a lofty radiance through the innumerable raindrops, and the wind driving the light of him hither and yonder on the falling waters of the atmosphere, making liquid lightnings on the slant, and drive, and perpetually pervading wateriness of the rain. "'The greeting and courtesy of heaven and of man to you!' shouted Puil Penanen. There was not a word from the other, but only the menace of the beautiful drawn sword, the stern aloofness of the countenance. "'There will be passing!' shouted Puil. "'Even if Hugh Gadarn be opposing it!' With that he drew his sword and leapt down from horseback, prepared and eager for combat. A great wind came howling and lamenting up from the sea, and a terrible swift impetuosity of rain advancing upon him as he ran forward, so that there was no seeing through the nature of it, no making way through it for the legs of man. When the fury of it had passed, there was no one waiting for him. He went back to Blodwin where she stood, head down, and the water streaming and steaming from her body, and led her down the hill towards the gates of the orchard, not riding by reason of the slipperiness of the world. As he went, supporting her gently, he framed these verses of a song in the face of the rain, as best he could, and sang them. 
its delight that hides in the storm-winds blinding its wild mirth rides through the rain-swept sky where will be peace and ease for the finding where the blinding battle goes thundering by winds of the world shout loud and high sweet wild rain on the east wind driven come storm-riding you lords of heaven i shall not turn from you no not i when the word was given for the lightning sorrow ye left not heaven to make smooth the way nor the barrier rocks of the world rift thorough should wild march borrow the skies of may hew with the shield its prouds this day this wild wet morn on the wind-loud plain that saw thy glory gleam through the rain thy whiteness shine through a world of grey when he had sung as much as that such singing as it was with all that wateriness against him he was drawing towards the bottom of the valley it was all a shallow stretch of hissing rain-pitted water at that time again a driving down of rain impenetrable by the eyesight and again through that a certain gleaming and wavering brightness and a beauty shed over the floor of the vale and when the rain had quieted a little there stood one in the guise of a druid above the waters he had the stature of a well-grown silver birch tree there were flickerings of magical blue embroidery about his white robes that seemed rather of woven light than of linen and were motionless on the wind and not made wet with the rain sternly beautiful was his face an aspect of intense all-penetrating all-remembering vision shone from his eyes he stretched out his sceptre barring the path before penanun as he did so a marvel of brightness flashed forth from the acorn of diamond in it and the rain ceased about them and the wind was stilled and there was quietness there suddenly the greeting of heaven and man to the arch-druid of earth and sky said poole not without recognising the majesty of tidain tadawan am i and you also wherefore come you to get apples from the orchard have i come this basket full to the brim will i be obtaining perilous is the quest many go up into the orchard of kelidon but few attain the bringing away of apples many set forth with that basket but few go back with it in their hands if you desire safety it would be better to return return i will truly said poole as soon as the basket may be filled with apples i will tell you said he the filling of this basket will be the doing of a service and without doing whatever service i may find to do i should not come by the thing i am seeking and without that thing no compulsion would be put upon guaul the son of clud and if no compulsion were put upon him there would be no breaking the fate of the daughter of hen and without breaking it she would never come into the island of the mighty and if she did not come there the whole race and kindred of the cymri the sons and the golden-chained daughters of Inneswen, would be without the best help and glory that might come to them therefore undoubtedly i will fill the basket if there is any filling it if the gods are opposing it would be less than fitting for me to turn aside for them now listen you to this concerning the basket whosoever may undertake the filling of it he will never succeed unless he can come by learning its peculiarities and even if he learns them it is a marvel if he should escape being enveloped in it and being made captive 
and the slave of the owner of the basket from that out pendar and Duvard met that fate and keredi cachl cum taivi also go back unless you are heedless of this peril i will make this demand of the immortals and of you that a chief druid among them said pool i will not ask them for peace nor for cessation from opposing neither for life if they desire mine nor for protection against peril but i will be so bold as to ask them what may be the peculiarities of the basket and the manner of filling it if you desire to know that i will tell you a little of it and not more than a little no one will enter into the orchard of kelidon without meeting opposition and insult blows and violence and he would have to overcome these cheerfully and to go forward without vexation or repining or querulousness of spirit there are seven score and seven trees in the orchard equal in age height size beauty and flavour he would have to pick up all the apples that may have fallen from every one of them and to do that fasting in spite of the whole hunger of the world consuming him beyond that if he were merry and wise and heedless and heedful not less than polite and not more than courteous it might happen to him to learn the manner of filling the basket when the last word of that was out of his mouth he was gone the whole light of him had vanished and the wind was howling and driving through the valley again and the rain beating down against pool as it had been before he went forward till he came to the gate of the orchard said pool penannon is there a porter there is for what reason hast thou come to the gates of the orchard of kelidon seeking apples good soul seeking apples have i come truly unwholesome is the place for thieves and pilferers unless thou desirest miserable death quickly go back to the one that sent thee king laughed oh man said he open thou the portal undoubtedly i desire whatever may come to me the gate swung open and behind it stood a porter with a great club of beechwood in his hand and an axe at his girdle such as few would have wielded even in those days sullenly angry was his aspect he was greater both in stature and in girth than even the greatest of the demesians it is death that will come to thee he said lifting his club pool's sword was in his hand in a moment and he leaping aside from the falling of the club and rushing forward with laughter and with raising up the ennobling dragon-shout of the island of the mighty in a little while he shook the end of the club with the edge of the sword and swept through the vast well-seasoned iron-studded length of it and made two clubs of it equal in weight from the end to the handle and scattered the two of them the one in the orchard the other in the valley behind him it would be well to take the axe said pool the club was worthless courtesy is not lacking in you said the porter and drew the axe in a little while there was an end to the fighting there it is i that am slain said the porter as for you you will go forward if you desire peril for the sake of your courtesy i will tell you this said he there is one in the orchard that knows the manner of filling the basket but it would not be possible to learn it from her if you acceded to her requests and invitations she has the power to put enchantments and a heavy spell on any one that may accede to them and heed you this in the name of man he said 
the basket has peculiarities with it and it happens to many to become enveloped in it and to come by loss and shame evil will fall on the one that takes no more thought and consideration for this basket than he would for the pannier of a cocklewoman on the shore where the cluchur falls into the sea with that it happened to him to perish in the guise of a man and he rose up in the air in aspect like a starling and took refuge among the apple trees chattering through the rain ah said Poole, counsel will be from this one and that one there will be many races among the immortals he left blodwin by the gate there and went in and fell to picking up the apples never had he seen the like of them during his life either for size or for beauty or for the desirable emanations of them kindling hunger in whomsoever might behold there were ten fallen apples under the first tree and by the time he had picked them up and put them in the basket he had never desired anything so much as food and if food apples his whole body was consumed and torn with a great raging devouring hunger at the second tree his hunger was multiplied upon him it was doubtful to him whether after a while there would be enough apples in the world to appease it quickly he passed from tree to tree ravenously desiring apples there were six circles of the trees one within the other he went taking circle after circle inward towards the heart of the orchard at the last tree of the third circle the rain ceased suddenly between the picking up of two apples the clouds were blown from the sky and the sun shone forth making known to him the full beauty of the trees not one of them was less in size than a full-grown oak not one of them without its innumerable apples mellow golden and of the colour of the ruby-hearted rose not one of them without its glory and softness of bloom like white clouds in the east of the sky with the faintest pinkness of sunset on them as he went forward they budded perpetually and the bloom fell about him like soft snow silently and the young green apples ripened spreading the alluring delightfulness of their scent over the world the sight and perfume of them were the ruin of his peace the intense multiplying of his hunger there will be magic in all this thought he it would be beneath dignity to pay heed to it so he passed his four circles and would have put as many as a thousand apples in the basket but it was no more than half full for all of them it will be the peculiarities of the basket he said only the circumspect and the watchful and the judicious would obtain learning the secret of filling it slowly the silence of the orchard grew into a quiet dream-laden delightfulness of harp music it would have been between the fourth and the fifth circles that he became aware of it its whole burden was that he should rest and listen that he should satisfy his hunger with the fruit and no desire would come to him again from that out the sight of the apples was the kindling of longing in him their scent was its making burn furiously but it was ten times more difficult to withstand the allurement of the music than to withstand the golden beauty and emanation of perfume well well he thought in my time i have heard the birds of rhiannon singing with that there rose on his hearing 
a faint far wonder of bird music as if it were from beyond the rim of the world and he knew the voices of the singers of peace true it is said he that the harping is dull and harsh in its comparison so he took the last two circles quickly and came to the lawn that was in the middle of the orchard a region of multitudinous blossoms a market-place for the bees laden with the scent and glamour of the daffodil then he looked up and was aware of the source of the harping at midmost of the lawn was a little hill and on it the tree of all trees the most beautiful of them all but that which was more beautiful even than the tree was the maiden that sat in the shade of it on the hillside and her long foam-white fingers twinkling and wandering over the strings of a golden harp except rhiannon he had never seen any one with such beauty as she had redder were her lips than the brightest redness of the apples more delicate was her skin than the pinkness and whiteness of the bloom her robes were greener and fairer than the beauty of the young fruit or the greenness and brightness of the new budding leaves as for her two eyes they sparkled like the sunlight in the raindrops not yet fallen from the leafage as for her long shining beautiful hair it was nine times blacker than the starling's wing he came through the daffodils and lilies of the valley towards her but she made no cessation of harping until he was picking up apples from beneath her own tree the greeting of heaven and of man to you kindly and courteously Poolpenanen, said she at last the greeting of heaven and of man to you courteously and kindly said he going on with the picking up of apples it pities me that you should be hungry and all this fruit ripe for the eating she said a hundred thanks to you and more than a hundred but it would be unfitting to eat them he said picking up the last of the apples wherefore would it be unfitting it would not be unfitting to receive the hospitality of a queen and queenly indeed is the hospitality said he but there is fitness to be thought of and moderation and the subjection of bodily desires it would be little better than gluttony in me to be consuming these apples soul soul she said there are also the peculiarities of the basket without eating apples there would be no manner of learning the art and secret of filling it kindly said he is that thought also delightful to me was ever the conversation of the considerate but there is pendaren duvard what man is that said the lady and beyond pendaren there is keredig cum taivi said poole it would be the pity of my life to bring inconvenience and crowding on those two men what happened to them said the lady have you heard nothing of their fate said poole it is a marvel to me that you should not know anything concerning them the best of the demetians were pendaren and keredig i have heard nothing she said would it please you to tell me and they having their fame and their renown and their glory and their praises and their honour sung by bards and that from the top of penguired in cornwall to the bottom of dinsol in the north and on to esger orvel in ireland said poole and not a word of it more than their deserts and what befell them said she where will they be now in the basket said he enveloped in the basket according to its peculiarities and the magic of its holding them she laughed 
i have heard a rumour of a basket such as that she said how did they come by their enveloping how do men come by their enveloping in it said he there was pendarren dovered he said no one could look upon pendarren without loving him by reason of his boldness and his generosity and the glory of his mien and the handsomeness of his aspect and the kingly dignity of his bearing and yet all that without lack of gaiety or consideration or courteous kindliness it was he that went out to the forest of kelidan to get firing in the basket did he get the firing said the lady and there was keredig carl said poole if there had been one man to be named with pendarren duvid it was keredig calcum tyvi and he no less good as bard than as warrior the best man in conflict or council in the hall or on the hill in friendship or in foray i asseverate to you now said he that there would be no accusing keredig of anything unless it might be that he would be over-eager for acquiring knowledge and learning and information about this matter and that it was he that went out to the marshlands of kelidon to get rushes and ha said she he was not the man as to his not being the man said poole i declare to you and affirm it and make it strong with asseverations that there was no better man among the demetians and if not among them then not in the whole of the island of the mighty nor in the three islands near thereto nor in the island of ireland and much less in the rest of the world i marvel that it should be said that keredig was not the man peace peace she said growing weary of the praises of keredig whoever makes trial of filling the basket of gwythfid nuinog by treading down the stuff he may have put in it if he be not the right man be it requited to you a hundred times and even more said poole for your courtesy in making this known it would be unfitting for me to abide here longer as he went he heard her quiet laughter and harping but it had no enchantment for him hunger and weariness had left him by that time yes he said we will make a trial of this treading down it may be indeed that keredig cum tyvi was not the man he rode forward swiftly until he came to the house of gwythvid nuinog on the plain said gwythvid give me the basket not until it is full will i give it to you with that he put the basket on the ground and made ready for treading down the apples in my deed it would be perilous to do that said gwythvid half full it will be enough for me be you silent further said poole full to the brim shall it be or there will be no virtue in the apples there must be an end to this querulous impatience under misfortune thereupon he put his left foot upon the apples and as he did so pendarren leapt out from the basket and stood at his left hand then he put his right foot beside the left with his putting it there keredig calcum tyvi came forth and stood at his right as for the basket it was undoubtedly full of apples and three of them more than it would hold falling down and rolling in the road i will take them into the house said gwythvid they went into the house with him and he emptied the apples out on the sleeping bench lacking a better place for them yes he said the third part of my sorrow is gone and the third part of my ignobility my youth will return because of this and the ancient sapience of my mind 
and the warm kindling of my soul if you desire apples take you as many as half of them or more than half for a reward i do not desire them said pool penannan they are for your own healing the basket is yet full said caradig karl there will be rushes in it wythvid emptied out the rushes there were enough of them to make bedding for ten men such as he that is well he said hereafter my dreams will not be troubled knowledge will be revealed to me in clear vision the second part of my sorrow and ignobility has departed if it please you take as many as half of the rushes for a reward it would not please me to take them said caradig the rushes are for your own peace and healing then pendarin duvard said the basket is yet full and it's in my mind there will be firing in it firing there is and the best of firing said gwythvig nuinog emptying it out and that will be the end of the whole enchantment that was put upon me take you half of the firing in the name of gratitude and good will not so said pendarin the firing is for you as ye will have neither apples nor rushes nor firing from the forest for a reward said gwythvid take you the basket undoubtedly it is the one ye were seeking and i will make known to you its peculiarities he said there will be no means in the world of filling it except by treading down the stuff that may have been put in it and if any one should undertake this treading unless he be the rightful chieftain in his rightful place and unless the time be the right time he will come by being enveloped in it and he will be the slave of the owner of the basket from that out and now go forward and may success and victory and delight and advantage attend you so they rode away to the southward and by the time the sun was at his setting they saw the palace of hephaith hen rise up before them in its strength and beauty beyond the plain before the rising of the moon and when the world was dark they had taken their places in the orchard without any one having seen them then pool bade them wait until they should hear him blow upon his war-horn the high atten of the gathering of the men of dovard and he himself went forward towards the hall here is the likeness of him when he went forward no more than driving on his twenty-five years he was and his long white cloak was about him fastened with a brooch of gold over his breast and the golden talk of his kinghood was round his neck and the two acorns of it alone were of the value of fifty kine his forehead was smooth and the hair and the beard of him blacker than coal and his limbs stronger than whatever may be strongest and his heart eager for battle or for peace whichever might be awaiting him with proud long strides he went forward towards the first and lowest of the seven gates of the high-reared giant-guarded immense impregnable fortress of hephaith hen in the country of the immortals with his going the second branch of the story of pool and rhiannon comes to its end end of part eight